You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Gale. Filling in as the introductory guest is Dan. And Nick. Man, oh man, Nick, it's good to have you. Silk will be on a little bit later. He is uh, out there with Junior at a makeup football game, so he'll be joining us a little bit later. Nicholas, how was your weekend, my friend? Mine was good. That's a that's a tease right there, Dan. Everyone's tuning in each week to see if Harlem is throwing passes yet. Uh, or if he's still just running around uh, playing running back at quarterback. All right. So because Silk's going to be joining us later, over under number of passes that Junior has thrown in this game. Hmm. Well, I saw on IG that he was like catching passes the other the other over the weekend, maybe. Uh, so position move. Um, let's go with we'll set the over under at four and a half. I'm I'm going to say under. Oh, I can't agree with you. So I'll go over. Okay. Just to just to go uh, against your bet. Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll have an answer later today. Um, that's exciting stuff. You stay tuned for the end of the show to find out what the answer to that is. All right, Nick, I've got a very, very, very important question. You and I were talking about it last. I think it was last Tuesday or Wednesday. Will you be submitting your application to be on the adult version of Legends of the Hidden Temple? I'm all about that. Okay. All about that show. Um, I saw that and I went and I filled out all my stuff and I went to go hit submit. And I saw you had to have other people. And as you get older, um, you realize you don't have many friends. <laughs> you have less friends than you used to. And I was like, I don't know who else to sign up for. So I just kind of X'd out. Like the dream was oh, dead. I wonder if I can fill out multiple applications. I'd be more than happy to to be your sidekick, Nick. Well, see, there's a stringent process I'm going to go through. I'm going there to win, Dan. Well, it sounds like you don't have any options. So it's either go, <laughs> go. <laughs> not go. You're right. The, go. The, the process has become less stringent. You're in, Dan. That's right. All right. Well, we'll work on our application a little bit later. Other than that, Nick, did you do anything exciting this weekend? Uh, I was at uh, I was at baseball for uh, three days. Watched UFC 262. Um, I, I watch every UFC fight, and then uh, with baseball starting at 6:30 Saturday, uh, I don't I don't I didn't get to leave the stadium until around 10:30. Um, and I'm watching like t- on Twitter and it's just like a guy in an arm bar, his arm snaps, knockout, knockout. And I'm like, okay, this is a great card to be sitting at the Florida press box and not be watching. Um, but I got to, uh, got to Gators dockside where my friends were watching it and, uh, it was a good card, really good card, That's bunch awesome. of finishes. Yeah. Uh, other than that, not much. What about you, Dan? Uh, any boating? Yeah, I did. Uh, so my uh, my best friend was in town. My best friend uh, lives up in Seattle. You might have met him. Um, my buddy Mike, he was uh, down in town. He lives in Seattle. And so he works for Microsoft. Him and his wife had a baby about five months ago. And, and Microsoft gives, I think, two or three months a year 
uh, or a paternity leave within the first year of the baby being born. So paternity uh, he, leave. Yeah, paternity leave. So um, he didn't use it until now. So he's taken a month off. So he's down in South Florida. Came up here. He's in Gainesville today. Heading up to Atlanta, then heading up to uh, to South Carolina to see his wife's family. Uh, so it's good to see him. It's been. Gosh, about 18 months since we've seen each other. Uh, so we tried to get up to Seattle last year, obviously with COVID and everything else. Uh, the world had different plans, so it was great to see him. But we got out boating. Uh, we got out um, to uh, Whiskey Joe's over here in uh, in Tampa, watched the sunset, uh, got some good drinks and all that. So, But it's great to see him. Uh, we also got to see uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning go on a, a quick one nothing uh, lead over the uh, over your Florida Panthers Nick in uh, game one of the uh, first round of the NHL playoffs so I know that my, that aches, aches you but my Twitter filters are so strong that I didn't even know the NHL was in the playoffs but you, I you, have I have muted words like puck hmm. um, I tried to mute pass and then I missed a bunch of football stuff in the fall. <laughs> Um, but I've muted NHL, Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, hashtag, whatever the, whatever the Lightning's hashtag was last year um, during their run to the Stanley Cup. Muted Bolts. that. Okay. Um, muted Bolts have muted long Russian-sounding last names. Okay, like Kucherov, uh, Vasilevsky. Muted, muted. Yeah. Their Nikita. nicknames. Yeah. Their nicknames, muted. Cooch. Yeah, if there's like a cool spy movie coming out, I have no idea. Oh, man. I have no man, clue. Man. Nick, you missed out. Well, hopefully you got to see my usage of Will Muschamp's only redeeming uh, thing that he gave to University of Florida, and that was the – it's great to see all these people out here getting disappointed. I love it when the, uh, <laughs> the Lightning was... were able to, to pull off a win last night. The so. Treon Harris game. The, the Treon Harris game. Well, Nick, let's get into some Florida Gators things. Uh, but before we do that, as always, let's give a shout out to my friend, Lee Friedland, over at the law firm of Friedland and Associates. He's going to help you with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and all personal injury cases in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida. Give him a call, 1-800-95-INJURED, or visit yourfighthourbattle.com. Again, 1-800-95-INJURED, yourfighthourbattle.com. All right, Nick, so big news just announced right before uh, we got on the air tonight. The, the University of Florida has announced that they will resume full person pardon me, full in-person participation in the athletic uh, department and all other activities around campus and fan participation in the swamp will be at full capacity this fall. Are you excited for another season of raucousness in the swamp? Yeah. it. Um, so for me, I went to – I think I was the only writer that went to every game last year. Um, there wasn't really a benefit of going to the games um, – Everything was on Zoom. So normally we'd be able to go down to the field before the games. Um, I remember getting yelled at in 2013 because remember, if you remember, you're, you're an OG. If you remember that Vernon Hargreaves wore number 16 um, mm -hmm. at Florida mm -hmm. for a game. One game. First game, right? First game. Wore number 16. Uh, ugly. We were talking about ugly numbers before. I think when Amah was on the show, I came on and was making fun of him wearing 35. Um but, yeah, Vernon's wearing 16. I'm down the field before they play Miami. He's wearing number one. I tweeted it out. And I get an angry call. Like, what are you doing? And it's 
it's because of special teams. I'm like, listen, dude, Vern's not playing any special teams. It's not because of special teams. It's because number 16 sucks, and he wanted number one, and he's good enough to wear number one. So that's why he's getting it. Um, So stuff like that, like just being down the field this year uh, or this past year, you know, we're just like stuck in the press box with a mask on and like a box lunch because of COVID. Um, So I'm excited to get back to normal, like – being in front of the person that I'm interviewing and, and being able to, you know, talk to them, not through a computer screen, um, getting back into stadiums. Well, you know, I was at Texas A&M where Dan Mullen said that there were a million people in the stands. So mm. that was a normal experience. Um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, it was pretty empty stands everywhere. Um, but uh, it, it was weird being in at Ole Miss. Have you you've been to Ole Miss in the Grove for a game? I have not. Not yet. So I was there, and I, I pull up Saturday empty, and that was, you know, uh, it, it kept me from getting fired because I think if all the stories mm. I've heard of the Grove yeah. are true, I might not have made it. Undresses and uh, cowboy boots. <laughs> they have chandeliers. <laughs> yeah. they, they they tailgate with chandeliers. It's yeah, a whole you, different ball game out you, there. You might not be working, and you might not be, uh, you know. They're like, where's up? Nick? Like, yeah. I don't know. He's he's <laughs> he's in a tent somewhere. Oh my gosh, man! Oh man, I'm, I'm looking always, forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward I'm, to uh, seeing the student section roll in some sometime around the the first quarter and leave sometime mid to early third quarter. Yeah, you know it was interesting, and this isn't to put down students at all, uh, but I saw I think within the first week of students uh, tickets being on sale uh, that they announced that they had sold seven thousand student tickets. And again, I'm not trying to be that guy that sits on my, uh, my high horse or anything, but I remember when I was an undergrad, so from 2006 to 2010, you had to submit your name into a lottery system that was based on the number of credit hours that you had. And there was a vast number of students that never got the chance to get tickets. So, um, you know, for all you students go tickets are so cheap. I think they're like 15, 20 bucks a game. Uh, it's just an awesome experience and you're going to look back and wish that you were there. So, um, but congratulations to the university of Florida, uh, opening up the stadium for, uh, the fall. And of course that means tailgating, which is my favorite part of the season as well. Also, Nick, before Corey gets on and, uh, cramps our style a little bit, big shout out to uh, Florida Gator legend, Udonis Haslam. Uh, he yes. gets his first three weeks ahead of, um, off of, uh, who was it again? Uh, Dwight Howard, uh, nearly takes the head off of Dwight Howard. And we get a, a photo that may forever be enshrined in a statue format, uh, outside of American airlines arena or whatever they call it these days. Uh, what's the movie? Dead Poet Society. I, I saw it happening and I immediately wanted to like get up on my desk and be like, Oh, captain, my captain, <laughs> UD gets no playing time. As soon as he gets in, to his first game, immediately, hockey term, Dan, immediately becomes the enforcer. That's right. Handles business, and they're like, hey, enjoy your first game this year, but you got to get out now. Now you're out. Do you think the Miami Heat should sign Udonis Haslam to a lifetime contract to do that to one player every year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You remember back in – so I can't remember who it was, but it was back when the Pacers – when the big three was just starting – and it was the Heat Pacers, and uh, I forget their 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 stadium or their arena is called something Fieldhouse. Yeah, and it, it looks like old school, and they were doing like the gold out or the yellow out, mm-hmm. and it looked really small, and the yellow made it look even smaller, and it was super loud. And Hansborough hit somebody, and it, they were just like, "Yo, UD, like 
Yeah. Tape up. Tape up. Get in there, buddy. Tyler yeah. Hansbrough's hit Dwayne Wade in the head. Got to go take care of yeah. business. It's time. And he immediately he's... comes in. He shoves Hansbrough. I'm like, this is – the Heat have made a hockey team with UD yeah. as the enforcer. He's, he's That's the right. Queen. Up until this year, the Heat might have been able to beat the Panthers in hockey too. So um, – but shout out to you, Donis Haslam. I'm not sure, Nick, of course, you're a big hockey fan. Um, but I'm not sure if this is the, the end of Udonis Haslam's career. I think this is his final season. Um, but what a legend uh, and what a way to go out uh, for UD. Um, a Hall of Famer in my book. You know what I really love about um, baseball? And you probably have to get to a certain status. Um, but like Derek Jeter announced, hey, this is going to be my last year. Um, and everywhere you go – the last time you're going to play there. So let's say he, Derek Jeter goes to um, Florida and Hey, this is the last time Derek Jeter is going to play in Miami. Like before the game, they would present him with something. Um, <laughs> Mariano Rivera. Um, I think his last game in Boston or his last game in, in Cleveland, maybe they presented him a rocking chair with broken bats. Cause Mariano Rivera had this nasty two seamer that would break a bunch of bats. So it was a rocking mm. chair made out of broken baseball bats and stuff like that. Like I would love to see, Udonis Haslam get like kind of like that. I don't know if he's gotten to that status outside uh, America's, you know, America's team fans like you and I. Um, but I like that about baseball. They, uh, you, you get you get an opportunity to get fun, like little gifts and like a farewell tour. Chipper Jones got one for the Braves. Yeah. Now I don't I don't know if Udonis Haslam has that respect like nationwide. Um, but he has that respect in my book. So if he wants to come up to Tampa, we'll get him like a Cuban sandwich or something and eat it together and catch up about life. You I'm not sure if that man- Tampa puts like mayonnaise on Cuban sandwiches and that doesn't. No, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure that they do, Nick. That's, that's, an inf- that's a, an inaccurate fact. Uh, we make, nope. Just a traditional Cuban sandwich. We just invented them here in Miami. Tries to yeah, pass them off as well. Not, we brought them here, of course, from, from Cuba. Um, but Cuban sandwiches uh-huh. are Cuban. There's no Cuban sandwiches in Cuba. That's a strictly Cuban-American thing. Well, then it sounds like it's a Tampa thing. So congratulations to Tampa for inventing and, of course, having the best Cuban sandwich. Um, No, it's just your traditional ham, Swiss, mustard, and pickle on Cuban bread that's then pressed. I mean, it's incredible. It's a Miami thing. No, I'm not sure it is, but we'll we'll, we'll go to the history books and we'll report back next week. ESPN announced their first post-spring top 25 rankings. I would imagine this is going to probably change uh, 17 more times before the mm-hmm. season does start. Uh, but they have Florida ranked number 17. Uh, Alabama's number one. Georgia's number three. Texas A&M is number seven as the three other SEC teams ahead of Florida. Do you like that spot for the Gators? Do you think 17 sounds about right? Too high, too low? Um, these are all based on how you – finished last year and what you have coming back if you Mm -hmm. look at how florida finished last year it's like a plane that when they put the landing gear out the landing gear just fell from ten thousand feet and you had to try to figure out how to land a plane with no landing gear um then you lose your quarterback and all the other players so yeah i think florida should be a top 25 team are you top 15 i don't know there's just so many questions we've talked about it what does the offense even look like next year because it's not going to be throw the ball 45, 50 times a game, it's going to be a completely different offense. So I think you've got a ton of questions plus a terrible ending. So, yeah, I don't think Florida deserved to be a top 10 team or even, you know, maybe a top 15 team heading into the season, but um, certainly deserve to be a top 25 team. I think they are one of the best 25 teams in the country. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I'm, I think there's so much that hinges on Emory Jones. I think that there's a lot that hinges on Florida's improvement on defense as well. I don't think that there's any uh, belief that Florida won't be able to put up, you know, points and probably put up a lot of points next year, whether it's running the ball, you know, with their stable of running backs or Emory Jones, you know, moving the ball. Um, and certainly I think that he's a capable enough passer for Florida to be able to move the sure. ball downfield. The question is, of course, you know, will Florida's defense be able to step up? I think that they were ranked a hundredth in pass defense last year. So Jules Montaner uh, and, you know, the crime dog, uh, Wes McGriff help improve that group. Obviously, you're replacing, you know, a, a bunch of safeties, a couple cornerbacks, uh, and so just as a whole, Florida stands to to improve a lot on the defensive side of the ball more so than just what do they have on the offensive side of the ball. So I think 17 is about right. Um, I think that if you were to to look top to bottom, I think anything after 12 to 20 probably gets a little murky. You know, I can see Florida be ranked a little bit higher. I can also see them if they were ranked about 20, but I think that you're right. You know, they're definitely a top 25 team. It's just a matter of, you know, what Florida is able to do. They do get a softer start to the schedule than they traditionally do, uh, or they have historically uh, a softer start. You, you haven't looked at like week three yet? No, no, no. It's a star- oh, I thought that was week four. No, week, week three is Bama. I thought that was week four. Week, week three is the defending national champion. So Florida starts off with a, obviously a tough schedule at the beginning of the season, <laughs> as I was saying. Um, they get they have FAU and then they play at South Florida here in Tampa, which I would imagine is going to be a, a, a predominantly a Gator heavy uh, crowd. But for some reason, I thought that they had that uh, that Sanford game earlier in the season. So that that's my apologies. But yeah, no, I mean Florida does you know get the chance to play. Um, against you know two teams that they should be able to to throw the the, the book out in terms of getting Emory comfortable. I, you know Florida is going to obviously have to do quite a bit uh, on defense in those first couple of weeks to get ready for a uh, an Alabama team that um, of course is going to be ranked number one in the country when they play. Yeah, that's uh. It, here's the question: Would you rather? Uh, Alabama's got a new quarterback, um, new running back, bunch of new pieces. I mean, I mm-hmm. think they set, you know, a, a new record <laughs> as they do every year. Every year they set a new record um, for you know uh, how many guys to get drafted. Would you rather play Alabama week three, or would you rather play Alabama week eight when they when they've got a chance to you know six seven games in and figure some things out? No, week week two, week three, right? Not week one, because they'll spend the entire time um, preparing for you. And I don't think that Florida can stand to be uh, spent the entire offseason being prepared for them. Um, I think that, you know, there's still question marks on Alabama's roster. Obviously, they recruit exceptionally well. They've got Bryce Young coming in, who I think is going to be the next, you know, good quarterback for Alabama. But I don't um, – I don't ever want to play Alabama. Right. Um, (laughs) And if I do, I would rather it be earlier in the season before they're humming and hawing. Uh, But I don't think that there's a a good time. Would you rather play them earlier in the season, later in the season? Um, I would rather play them maybe after a week game and then maybe they have another week game after. So, or another tougher game. I don't even know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You said there's really no good time, but um you know, on the other, on flip the script, also you're still trying to figure things out. Um, you know, with two games you're playing before, that's nice to get, you know, uh, a couple tune-up games before Alabama. 
Um, but like as we saw, and I think things will be different. Um, things will be different this this year. Last year, I think it took teams a while. I mean, like Al- Alabama, how many they gave like seven hundred yards to Ole Miss, and and we've talked about it before where you're trying to find answers in the spring, and sometimes you don't find those answers until you know you're playing actual games, and, and maybe Alabama is still looking to find answers with. Um, you know, whether it's on offense or on defense, but I think Florida probably still be, you know, in that same, same boat week three as well. Yeah. uh, I think that Florida has the best time to play them than they do anybody else that Alabama is playing against. Um, You know, Alabama will, I think still be trying to figure it out. Obviously they're replacing their offensive coordinator. They're placing a number of our coaches, uh, but for some reason they always seem to act like nothing happened and they just switch out the nameplate of the, uh, the door of yeah. the, uh, the desk that that office has. So, yeah. And they're, um, well, they open with Miami um, this year. Okay, um, I think that's, I think that <laughs> they open with Miami um, and then they've got, you know, the Florida sandwich is the bread, <laughs> the bread is Mercer and Southern Miss. So I don't think there's any uh, looking forward, <laughs> uh, you know, past that's what, Florida that's what there. Miami calls a Cuban sandwich. <laughs> that's Miami. Cuban yeah, sandwich. that's a Miami Cuban sandwich. No, um, I you know that that's interesting. Um, I, I don't even know how Alabama gets excited about you know playing a, a Sanford or a Mercer or a school like that um, every week. Uh, but I don't like it because it allows them to to try some things, but it also allows some folks that you know, or maybe the backups to get more playing time. And so when they can come in and, and play against Florida, where Florida only has two games and, and yes, I know they're FAU and USF. Um, they both seem like slightly harder games than um, Mercer and Sanford, but I guess we'll see. I don't have uh, much analysis because uh, I know Alabama is just going to put out a juggernaut team every year. And I'm just, you know, hoping and praying that Florida can uh, compete against them. Well, you're going to put pads on Dan. So you just get to sit there and, and drink some beer and cheer. That's exactly right. Tickets, I think, right now are going for about 400, 500 bucks on the uh, on the market. So that's crazy because um, can't you get like um, someone was just talking on our on our message board over mm-hmm. rivals, and they were saying you can get a three game pass that includes Alabama for like one hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah, I'm not sure if that um, is special is still available. I'd have to, to double check. I didn't check my ticket specials before the uh, the show started today, but yeah, you get that game. I think you get uh, one of Vanderbilt or Samford, or maybe it's Alabama, Samford, and maybe – I don't know. I I forgot what the the ticket package is, and this would be a great time uh, to look it up, wouldn't it? Um, I'm here. here. This is a win-win for all parties. Okay. Never play Vanderbilt at home. Always play in Nashville. I agree. It's going to be hard to draw people to Florida mm. for the Vanderbilt game. It's much easier to say, hey, go party in Nashville. Go see the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yep. Go to Nashville. And Vanderbilt, hey, when Florida comes, we got 10,000 people in the stadium. That's more than we normally have. This Nick, I, I love that idea. I think that we should petition Never to always play. have the Florida Vanderbilt game there. Always, Florida Vanderbilt should always play in Nashville. No sense in playing that game in Gainesville. Yeah, I actually really love that idea. I would like to petition that we make that a a rule. Um, And I will promise the University of Florida that I will be there for the first five games. 
You you, you pledge you pledge five. I, 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 I pledge the first five. After that, you know, I'll be in my late thirties. You know, you never know where life might uh, keep. Or yeah, late thirties, yeah, you never know where life might keep me at that point. But I can promise the first five, and then I can promise ten. I can promise ten in the first fifteen years. That's a that's a large commitment. That is okay. So Spencer, thank you, be, thank you for being a great uh, uh, help. So Alabama Mini Plan is the Alabama Vanderbilt and then either FAU or Samford. And then you have that. That's $180, but I would imagine $180 to to go see the Bama game. Yeah. But I would imagine that that ticket is about as close to God as you're ever going to get. Right. Um, The Tennessee plan is $120 and you get that game, the Vanderbilt game. You're proving it, Nick right here or FAU and Samford or $150 for the FSU game with Vanderbilt, and then you get FAU or Samford. What's what's the best? Okay, so what is the best plan? The Alabama, Alabama plan is literally just the Alabama game. You can literally flip that game for probably your cost. And even if you take a slight, like, if you lose, if you don't make $180 on selling an Alabama game, you can sell the Vanderbilt game or the FAU or Sanford game and make up the difference. So that's a good investment. That's probably a better investment strategy than like Dogecoin would be right now. So you're like, you that's rather, pure, that's pure unadulterated profit. Like I can't, but like, I don't, I don't know if you could flip the Tennessee or Florida state games for one twenty or for one fifty. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Emory Jones, you know, the the PFF Emory Jones, you know, being drafted number six, if you're, to me, the first thing I thought when I saw that was, all right, well, they think Florida's going to be undefeated, like for a national champion contender, because like, that's how Mm -hmm. I see Emory Jones getting to that spot. Um, If you're undefeated going into Florida State, uh, I I know the timeline last year was saying Florida State, you know, skipped out on, on an ass whooping. Yeah. Um, so if Florida's undefeated heading into Florida State. That means you've already beaten Alabama, beaten Tennessee. Um, maybe that's maybe you flip that 150 easy, yeah, potentially. Um, but it, but it's also a tough game to sell, right? It's yeah. still Thanksgiving weekend, mm-hmm. two right? days if, after Thanksgiving, right? If FSU is terrible, which they likely will be, it could potentially be cold, it could potentially be rainy. It's not necessarily like a draw. I mean, if Florida's doing really well, you're you you have to hedge your bet on that one, Nick. You got to hedge. To me, it seems like you know you get the crowd that's like, all right, just had Thanksgiving dinner. Let me go watch the executioner put his mask on and and beat our rival big. Because I don't think Florida State's gonna be very good this year. Um, and and I mean, last year probably would have been bad. Would have been really nice to sandwich in a, a Florida State game in with, with with how Florida ended that year. Uh, you know, like you said, just a nice cupcake game right there in in the middle of that gauntlet. Yeah, I and then the Tennessee game again. I don't I don't see Tennessee being very good this year. Um, they lost, you know, some of their best players to the draft and to the transfer portal. They bring over a subpar coach and Josh Heupel. I don't think that you can flip that game. I mean, if you're you know practically touching the sun from that seat, it could be hot. It could be a, a bad, a bad, you know, opponent. You're not going to make a lot of money from that FAU or Sanford game or that Vanderbilt game. So I think if you want to make money and invest in your Florida Gators, then the the Tennessee or the Florida State game 
would be the best to invest back to the university. If you want to invest in yourself and your pocketbook, invest in that Alabama game, flip it, make some money, upgrade your tickets, and just keep moving up. Just constantly keep flipping. It's like the guy that traded a uh, paperclip paper clip for a uh, like a Corvette, right, or a house, whatever. Yeah, it was. you're you're making zero Dogecoin uh, for flipping that Sanford ticket. That's yeah, that's right. You might have to you might have to give somebody some Dogecoin. So, um, <laughs> all right, Nick, let's get into some Gator news of the week. Uh, before we get our friend Earl Okine on the show, I want to get some of your thoughts on baseball. So I'm going to start with that. But before we do that, let's give our friends over at Roof Soldier a shout out. Uh, if you need a new roof, if your roof is leaking or if your insurance company is making you replace your roof or you just want to get prepared for hurricane season, which is coming up in just a few short weeks, Mention Stadium and Gale, you'll receive $1,000 off your roof replacement. Again, give them a call, 1-877-ROOFS-FL, 877-766-3735. Mention Stadium and Gale, and you'll receive $1,000 off your roof replacement. Nick, this has become uh, an opportunity for us to collab uh, so this is Gator News of the Week featuring Nick Delatore. We're starting with Gators baseball. Gators go two of three against Georgia. Uh, they win another series at home. They face Arkansas, who uh, is number one in the country after they took two of three against Tennessee this past weekend. Baseball's ranked eighth or ninth, depending on the poll, uh, in the country. Uh, talk to us a little bit about baseball and then what Florida uh, needs to look forward to against Arkansas this week. Yeah, so Florida um... – Takes two or three. They lose the Sunday game. A sweep would have been nice, but I think if you really look at their record right now, um, 17 and 10 in the SEC, 35, 16 overall, you really look back to that uh, South Carolina series, which is their first road series getting swept in Columbia. That's starting to loom large. So Florida at 17 and 10 is two games behind Arkansas in the SEC. Uh, one game behind Tennessee in the SEC East and a half game behind Vanderbilt. So they're tied with Mississippi State for fourth. Um, <clears throat> really tough track for Florida to win the SEC. I think they would need to sweep Arkansas, um, who is number one in the country. Uh, and Florida's only seven and nine on the road this year. Um, they would need Tennessee to lose two games to South Carolina. or No, no they would need Tennessee – to get swept by South Carolina um, because Tennessee holds a tiebreaker over Florida. Um, they would also need Vanderbilt to lose a game and they would need Mississippi state, I think to lose two. So probably not winning the sec, but uh, just don't get swept by Arkansas this week and win a game in Hoover um, against any, whoever you get matched up with in the sec tournament. And I think right now sitting at nine, you're, you're pretty solid to host a regional. Um, if, if Florida could win two against Arkansas and then maybe two games in Hoover, you could sneak into, uh, region or national seed hosting spot. Um, but you know, beating the number one team twice at their place is going to be a, a tough ask. It's not out of the realm of possibility for Florida to be a national seed. Um, but if you only win one game against Arkansas, I think you probably have to be really competitive, keep the next two games, the two losses close, and um, and then maybe even get to Sunday, get to the, the SEC tournament championship game. So I think Florida, unless they lose 
three games at Arkansas and lose their first game and get bounced out of the tournament um, is, is pretty solid and set for a regional host, which is what you want when you're playing the first season in a $65 million brand new baseball stadium. You don't want, you know, last Sunday to be the last time you uh, get people in the stands. So um, tough task. It'll be a really fun competitive series starting on Thursday. Uh, every Everyone starts Thursday this week because of the SEC tournament. Can't hear you, Dan. Um, let me turn my microphone on. Two quick questions. Number one, are they still doing – I think they started this a few years ago. They're, are they still regionalizing the regions, if that makes sense? Are they still – Yeah. So okay. so it, it's, it was weird this year. So they've already named 20 potential hosting sites, and that was based on COVID. So not only just the season that you had, but based on COVID. Can you handle having – four teams because there's 35 players on a team, three coaches, two assistants, uh, graduate assistants. Then you've got trainers, family. Can you handle, let's say, 200 people testing them every day or testing them every other day? Um, so the 20 host sites were named, and then that will be whittled down on Monday, Sunday night, Monday, um, to the 16 hosts. So uh, yes and no. Um, so let's say – a three seed wins one of the regions. Well, they can't host because they're not one of the hosting sites. So one of the hosting sites would then, even though their team, let's say Florida is a host, but loses in the regional Gainesville would still be potentially a super regional hosting site for two other teams. If you have two non host win regionals. Mm -hmm. So yes, they're trying to regionally, like if fam, if FAMU wins their conference, they will most likely be in Florida's region. Um, because it's, you know, an easy trip for them. They won't, they wouldn't send them to, you know, Gonzaga. Gotcha. In Washington. Shout out to, Shout out to, to Silk. Shout out to Silk. Silk, we actually, we had a discussion and since you're here, welcome to the show. Um, we had an over under on how many passes Harlem was going to throw today. So how many, how many did Harlem get in the air? Zero. Yeah. I won. I took the over. I said, I set the passes at four and a half. Uh, productive day, 24 zip, probably MVP, got busy, but uh, we're still working on four passes. <laughs> I set the over at four and a half. Dan immediately took the under. No faith in Harlem's right arm. Um, and I took the over. But I think, uh, I think, I think next game, um, well, to his credit, he wasn't called any throws as well. Okay. So uh, part of it's on the coach. <laughs> but the plays they do call for him, he got busy, man. Uh, we had a makeup game, man. Sorry, I'm glad you guys hold it down. I know we got an interview today and everything. Thanks yeah. for holding it down, man. Um, but I had to do this makeup game for Junior. Well, we're glad that we're glad to have you on. We uh, we'll catch you up on, on what you missed. You got we had some exciting okay. talk earlier. Uh, we're just running through the uh, Gator news of the week here. We, we moved it up in the show uh, to try to buy some time before you uh, before you hopped on. Uh, so uh, Gators play Thursday, Friday, Saturday yep. uh, in baseball, and then we'll find out what uh, what seed they have on Sunday, and then they'll begin playing. I'm sorry, when did you say the regional starts? Um, I think they, they, they scatter them. They So some of them will be on – someone will start Thursday, some will start Friday. We won't know until um, the selection show. Okay. All right, perfect. Well, we'll be looking out for that. Uh, in other news, the Gators placed, let's see, 362 
uh, student athletes had over a 3.0 GPA uh, for the semester. So congratulations to all 362 uh, students that did that. Uh, we didn't announce it last week, but uh, Gators basketball for men's and women's season tickets went on sale last Tuesday. Uh, Florida is going to be playing FSU and UConn at least at home. I think they play Milwaukee at home as well. We've got a couple other uh, games that they'll be announcing soon, but those tickets went on sale. Men's golf is currently uh, in their regional tournament. They sit number nine after the first day uh, in their regional, I believe, out of 10 teams. They are plus 11 on par threes today, but they're minus 11 on par fives. Uh, but they still have two more days to make that up. In other news, Joe Pageant uh, was named SEC Freshman of the Year. Uh, he also earned a spot on the all-freshman team. Uh, Tyler Wilkes was also on the all-freshman team, and Ricky Castillo was a second-team all-SEC member. Women's golf finished seventh overall in their region. They just missed – uh, advancing to the top or to the NCAA championship, which is the top six teams from each regional. Uh, they were in a neck and neck battle all the way up into the last hole. The Gators parred and they were down by a stroke. They needed USC to miss a putt, drain an 11 foot putt. The Gators don't make it, but uh, valiant effort on their behalf. Gators lacrosse beat Mercer in the first round of the NCAA tournament, 23 to five. And then they avenged a 12 to 11 loss earlier in the season against Jacksonville by beating them 17 to three. And that they will be advancing on to the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Gator softball uh, competed their butts off this weekend, advancing all the way to the SEC championship, unfortunately losing to Alabama in that game, but they will be the number four overall seed in the women's softball tournament uh, in men's and women's swimming. They announced that Kristen Merle slack will be joining the team uh, as an assistant coach. Merslack. Uh, Kristen Merslack is, I guess how you pronounce it. Uh, she was in the same role at Pitt for the last two years. So welcome to Gator nation. Uh, men's tennis will be competing literally right now uh, in their round of 16 against Illinois. So by the time that you listen to this, that match will be over, but best of luck to men's tennis. Um, and then finally in track and field in the sec tournament, UF men's team finished fourth and the women's team earned sixth place. So that is your Gator news of the week. Did you skip over softball? I did All not. Right. I mentioned that so that softball had a valiant effort this weekend. They advanced all the way to the SEC tournament. They lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, but they earned the number four overall seed uh, in the there tournament. So with that being said, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Cardinal Financial and Carlton Black. So if you are looking for a new mortgage, reach out to Carlton Black with Cardinal Financial. He's licensed in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. So any type of home loan, conventional loan, FHA loan, VA loan, construction loan, refinance, whatever you may need, give Carlton Black a call, 404-769-5501, or email him at carlton.black at cardinalfinancial.com. Again, 404-769-5501, carlton.black at cardinalfinancial.com. Let's get our friend Earl O'Kine on the show. 
You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is a Gainesville legend himself, former Gainesville High School standout and former University of Florida defensive end, Earl Okine. Earl, how are you doing this evening, my friend? Doing good, you guys. How you guys doing? Good, man. It's been, it's been a while since we saw each other. It's good to, good to see you again, brother. Um, Earl, want to talk to you. Obviously, you grew up in Gainesville. Um, talk to us a little bit about your recruiting and how you ended up uh, at the University of Florida. Um, honestly, it uh, it just started near the end of my sophomore year. Um, I think uh, Coach Hebsey started reaching out to me after after one of the games, and um, it was just like you know, pretty consistent uh, up until they offered me my junior year. So um, they were just you know check checking on me after games and stuff like that. But um, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a pretty exciting time. So uh, so it was pretty uh, it was it was, it was new for me, but they reached out pretty early. Earl, what what other schools recruited you? Or did you look at going to other any other schools or growing up in Gainesville being a Gator fan? Was it kind of an easy decision for you? Um, I pretty much knew I was going to go to Florida, but um, I, I I had a lot of other offers. You know, like Old Miss was my first ever offer. Um, a lot of SEC schools like um, Vandy, uh, Florida State was on me heavy. It was either going to be Florida or Florida State, to be honest. And um, just a whole bunch of schools that I honestly didn't really. Uh, didn't really look too hard at, but, you know, I, I already knew where I was going, to be honest. Dan, Dan Mullen said that to us one time. He was like, uh, it was, I think it was his first year at Florida. He was like, there's just kids that, like, being in Starkville, like, yeah, you have to, like, offer them. He's like, but I know that kid's not coming to Starkville. It's like, I have to do my due diligence. Was there, like, a school, like, maybe Oxford? Like, you just said there were some schools that, like, offered you, and you're like, I'm not picking up and moving to Mississippi. Like I, I can play football somewhere else. Yeah, it was probably some schools like that. But honestly, all this being my first ever offer, I actually did consider them. It, it would have been like a far stretch, you know, to like to actually like sign, you know, to commit to them and stuff like that. But uh, but I definitely gave them a thought. Like you know, it wasn't just a, I didn't just throw them away like that, you know. But being yeah, a being a. Being a Florida boy, if like Penn State comes calling and they're like, "Hey, you want to come up for a visit?" You get there in January. You're like, "What is this white stuff on the ground? I don't even own a jacket. Not happening." Oh yeah, for sure, man. Like I, I didn't see snow until like I played for Indianapolis. You know what I mean? So like I didn't see snow until I was like 23 years old. So like that would have been a big shock. Like moving anywhere, like up north, would have been crazy. And I'm really close to my family. You know, we're a tight knit African family, so it would have been hard for me to just. What was, what was your experience like growing up in Gainesville, being a Gator fan? Like, what was your experience like with the swamping and just being in Gainesville as a kid? Man, it was exciting, man. Like, you know, 06 and 07, just being around that whole atmosphere was just electric, man. I didn't really see it like that. I mean, it's like when we was up there in 08 and stuff like that, it was similar. But, like, being a kid, seeing it through a child's eyes and stuff like that was just incredible, man. Like, seeing a basketball team, you know, Joe Cano and all them and, like, uh, you know, Tebow coming in as a freshman and all that stuff. It was just, it was just a crazy time to be a Gator, man. It was, it was exciting, man. I loved it. Like, it was just unexplainable. It was unbelievable. Now, with your family being African, how did they gravitate towards uh, football? Were they, were they, did they embrace it? Or was it something they was against? Um, they were. I'm not gonna lie. They're like both in the medical field. You know, my parents. I'm blessed to that they're like both pretty successful. 
successful uh, people. So they didn't really like, you know, the whole football thing. They didn't want me to get hurt. They wanted me to concentrate on on school a lot more. Because right now I'm, I'm, I'm back in school trying to get into pharmacy school. So, like, they're, they, they just pretty much taught me that, you know, school was more important than football. But then when, you know, the offers started rolling in, they started realizing how, like, how important it was to her in order for me to get that education, like it, it could play hand in hand. So it, it, you know, they warmed up to it. Okay, did um, were there any other sports that you played uh, coming up in high school or in little league? What was your favorite sport? Or did when did you realize that football was going to be it? Oh, I grew up playing basketball, so. Uh, you know, um, one of the main things, because I graduated early, one of the main things that was hard for me to do was to um, to not play basketball my senior year because, you know, obviously it's, it's that in the spring after um, after the semester and stuff like that. So I couldn't play basketball my senior year. And, um, yeah, basketball is probably my first love, but, you know, football t- took over when I, you know, I got a lot better when I, you know, got a – Earl, when you um, when you went to UF, you know you you were recruited by a, a, a defensive coordinator that that left not long after you uh, were after your freshman year. Then a couple years later, you know Urban Meyer and the coach that recruited you and John Hevesy and you know the, the coaches that recruited you as well, you know left and and Will Muschamp, you know came over. What was that that transition like for you? I mean, now that I look at it now, I guess I had no other like experiences in college ball and stuff like that. But it was it was kind of a fiasco, man. It was, you know, as a 18, 19, 20 year old kid, man, you kind of expect some like some bit of consistency, but it was just not that at all. It was kind of like it was just you know people doing things that are you know um, things that are better for them, that are good for them, and not necessarily other people, which is understandable. But as a young kid, you know, you're trying to, you're, you know, you're trying to make your dreams come true as well. And when somebody else comes in and they didn't recruit you and, you know, they, and they, and they have the guys that they have coming in, it kind of just makes it all kind of funny. So like every year was just a lot different, man. And, and weirdly enough, the last two years were the most stable with Post Must Champ, you know, and I finally got, you know, a little footing and got a chance to, you know, go to the next level. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it, was, it was a stressful situation, stressful time to deal with all the movement, all the different coaches every year. It was, yeah, it was it was insane. You and Will didn't get off to a great start, right? No. <laughs> but but you just said no. that <laughs> it, it ended up it ended up the right way. I mean, you ended up getting a chance to go to the league. So what what was just the how did that relationship mature and grow? To the point, but you know, from when you first got there to to when you're leaving your senior year. I mean, I guess I got better, but honestly, man, I was going through a lot of things. You know, I had my son, uh, my my junior, my redshirt junior year, and stuff like that. So I was going mm-hmm. through a lot of things, man. But honestly, I felt like, you know, nothing gets him, man. But he didn't he didn't know me like that. He didn't want to, and he he's, he's from Gainesville. Maybe he just didn't want me to to play or something like that but he played me because i was good but like honestly i'm not really i'm not really too sure i'm 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 i i really don't know man i'm just i was just glad to get out of there with a chance in the league and but you know we ended up on a on a decent note but you know 
I'm not sure it's just me that feels that way. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have similar similar thoughts about their relationship with Coach Muschamp, you know. So um, me too. I don't think it's too special, man, but it definitely was. It definitely wasn't a real, great relationship at all. Real, real quick, Earl. A lot of players can't. Um, they can't. They can't split the two between uh, having a bad relationship with the coach and then the program. Some players leave um, angry at the coach and also the program. How were you able to to uh, kind of split the two? Um. Honestly. Um. I mean, so much wild stuff had happened to me just personally that, like, like I was kind of just, I was just kind of doing it without emotion. Like, I was just, it was easy for me to just play ball and leave everything else off the field. So, like, I didn't really let it get to me, although I'm sure he wanted it to get to me. Like, you know, he said some things that I don't really, really agree with, and, like, he's done that to a lot of players, I'm sure. But, like, I just didn't let it get to me, man. I just tried to forget about it as soon as that my time was over and, you know, get to the next level and, you know, try to make the next time myself, you know what I mean? I just, I just shut it off every time I wasn't around, man. And that was, I think I got all that from just, you know, how, like, how up and down my, my career was up until then. It made me mentally stronger, I feel like, and it just wasn't nothing to me. It was going to, like, affect how I play, you know what I mean? So, right. it wasn't, it wasn't that hard to just, Earl, talk to us about your time at, at UF. You you played on a you, you were dressed out for the, the team that won the national championship. You you have a you know the, the undefeated regular season. You know Tim Tebow's last year, um, and then you make the transition. And then you know your next couple of years, you're changing defenses. The whole program is kind of changing. Uh, you know what are what are some of the things you, you learned most during those four years or five years? Um, just how to compete, you know, how to practice well, how to do it every day. That was that was one thing that I had trouble doing was just, like, being very consistent, man. And, and that's one thing I, I, I saw as a freshman, just, you know, seeing pretty much one of the best college football teams to ever exist every day in practice, you know. Um, you do kind of just learn how to, like, you know, just not really bring, like, how hurt you are to it, how fatigued you are to it, and just, and just turn that on. But it but it's easier said than, than done, you know what I mean? So, so I, so I feel like I, I just learned how to be consistent from all those teams, you know what I mean? And just how to, how to get better, how to, how to work on little things every day, how to chip away and just turn into one big body of work. And then um, I was, uh, I was talking to Alex McAllister about like a year ago. Um, so you played with Indy and Houston, but you've, you spent some time in, uh, in the CFL also. Um, and he like opened my eyes to it. I didn't know everything that kind of goes on with the CFL and obviously there's different rules, but then there's only like a certain number of American players that can be on teams and, and all this kind of stuff. He was like, he's like, this is a, it's a whole different world from, from what you grew up playing in pop Warner high school college in the league he's like i got there and i had no idea what to expect and it was like a whole culture shock for him did you kind of experience the same thing yeah but um fortunately enough i got to um you know i looked it up a little bit and pretty much the uh the footwork's a little different because you're 
you're off, you're off the ball of yard. So like it was like kind of just slightly delayed when it comes to as far as when you throw your move and as far as password and stuff like like that. So the little rules like like that, but it's definitely more finesse game. It's definitely mm-hmm. more like a I don't know how to explain it like a like like a like more basketball, more footwork oriented type stuff. Like it's, it's definitely a lot different. And it is crazy, yeah. There's only a certain amount of Americans allowed to be on the team, so no matter how good you are, you could be cut the next day, you know. So it's definitely different. Yeah. What's 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 the mindset there? Because obviously, you know, you're still getting paid to play football, which is a, a, a dream. But you're you probably want to get back to the NFL. So what's just the mindset for you on a day in day out basis? Um, you know, when, when you're playing in the CFL. Um, when I was in the CFL, I was I was getting a little older, and I was retransitioning and trying to you know to get back into uh, studying medicine. So I wasn't really mm-hmm. doing it to get back or to make money. I was kind of just doing it for the love of the game, and just because I was you know I'm I'm still in really good shape. You know I was I'm not too old. You know just so I, I just didn't feel like I was wasting any time, and and that was my mindset. I wasn't you know trying to get back or anything. If that would have happened, great to to the NFL, but like. I was just doing it for the love game, you know. I just test. I see. I used to see Earl in Gainesville Health and Fitness all the time, and just look and be like, I, I don't know what he's doing, but I don't look like that, and I'm in here every day, and, and we're not lifting the same kind of weights, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. yeah, that's um, it. Shoot, I'm actually about to. I'm about to probably go there later tonight. My son goes to sleep. To be honest. Yeah, that's he's. Lifting different weights and more weights than me in the gym. I think both both things are a sure. factor. <laughs> yeah, Earl, what's a yeah, what's a culture shock like? Earl, what's a culture shock like going from you know from from Gainesville and to University of Florida to the NFL to then going up to Calgary and then you you bounced around for a little bit in the AFL Experimental League, you make it back to the NFL. Um, what did all those experiences, you know, teach you? Because you ended up having some success a few years removed from your first in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it finally clicked, man. Honestly, it uh, the whole Houston thing got hurt and um, maybe wasn't mentally mature enough, I would say. I didn't get a trouble or anything like that, but you know, maybe I, you know, I wasn't mentally ready at that point in time. But honestly, right after I was done in NFL, or after I was done in Florida, like it just clicked. And things like I just felt more like I'm, I'm not even sure, man. I just felt like I had handcuffs on, and like as soon as I was, as soon as I graduated, man, like I, I went to the All American game and like was the MVP of Texas First Nation and stuff like that. And that was when I first realized like that I'm a good player, like. I knew I was good at Florida, but like you know, you got coaches that don't really know you, saying that oh yeah, man, you're all right, man, like stuff like that. But when you really know that you're a good player, so like I guess that kind of just like made me realize, okay, bro, they didn't know what they were talking about, they didn't know me at all, and like now I'm about to go, I, I can go do this now, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm like tossing around supposed to like first rounders and stuff like that, like you know what I mean? It's it just kind of just made me made my mentality what it should have been while I was at UF instead of taking into consideration what these coaches are saying. You know what I mean? 
Hey Earl, how what 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 was your transition from ending the game like? Uh, I like to get that um, that experience or what that was like from a lot of former players. So, what was that process of walking away from the game you loved to going into the professional life? Um, it it honestly happened this year, man, because uh, I was uh, playing for Toronto and then COVID happened, and then I had a chance to um to play for another for Montreal and stuff like that. But I just I just walked away because I guess. You know, my body can still do it, but if I'm not going to make, like, the money that, you know, would actually be beneficial towards me, I feel like there's not really a future in the CFL for somebody of my age, if that makes sense. And classes were getting a little harder, you know. I was just trying to get my prereqs done to get into pharmacy school. And classes were getting harder, and I just felt, I just felt like I couldn't give football everything that I, you know, that I'm used to giving it. Like sitting in the back seat to my schoolwork, and I just didn't want to disrespect the game like that. Was it an emotional walk away? Or was it? Were you good with it? Do you miss it yet, or do you think you'll miss it in the future? Oh yeah, I, I, I miss football all the time, but not to the point where like I would want to go back and play. Like if I got a chance in the league or something like that, I could play because I'm still healthy, I'm still in good shape. But like honestly, I'm not like I'm not. I'm not sad about it or anything. I, you know, got plenty in so I'd probably be a bitter if I didn't get those opportunities and stuff like that. If I'm being honest, right? But honestly, it was, you know, it was a, it was a happy day, man. I told my parents, and they're like, you know, you are the Arsenal team, the CFL. And I was like, yo, I, I'm done with it. I, I think I'm just done with it, man. Like, my son was like not even as upset as I thought he was gonna be. So like, it was kind of a seamless transition. Thank God. So I feel I, I, I felt pretty good about it. You feel like you got it was on your terms, because not a lot of guys yeah, get the, that opportunity where they they leave the game on their terms. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, yeah that, that was that that probably softened the the blow, but you know, yeah, because a lot of people just don't get a call back and they all get so much hired. But mm-hmm. you know, it was just I I just knew it. It's just it's, as soon as there was going to be another transition to another team. I was like, all right, this is gonna be my opportunity to like to to end this. You know what I mean? I gotta, you know, it's time for the next portion of my life, and you know, it's not gonna be easy by all means, by or by any means. So I gotta, I gotta put the same exact effort that I've been football into this, and now I can do it in totality. I saved enough. I you know don't have to really do too much, you know, work or anything. So like, you know, it it, it seemed like the right time. Real quick, Earl, before you get out here, we don't want to hold you too much longer. What do you think about Tebow coming back to play at this age? You're retiring. He's coming back. What do you think about that? Man, that's exciting, man. Because he's, he's one of my favorite players, you know. Like, he's my favorite quarterback of all time. He was my first sack in that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, when I seen that, because I kind of knew he was going to get signed as soon as they worked him out. I was like, yo, if he plays tight end, he's going to be a monster. Because, like, Blocking really at tight end is not so much technique. There's some technique, but more of it is like, it's like you know, passionate and like want to. And, and Timmy is a thousand percent that. I feel like he's gonna be a beast. I feel like he's gonna be a monster. So I'm I'm really excited to see him. Nice.
Well, I love it. Well, Earl, we appreciate your time this evening. I know we had to move some things around in your personal life. We really appreciate it, man. Um, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and, and certainly best of luck in your uh, endeavor for, uh, for pharmacy school. Oh yeah, man. Um, yeah. My Instagram is a uh, young bird, uh, nine. It's old three name. Sorry guys. But, uh, and you know, I'm just, <laughs> my name. Earl yeah, I appreciate you guys. We appreciate it, bro. We'll have you on in the future, man. Best of luck with everything. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Earl. Earl Ocon. Good kid. Gaines, Gainesville High School legend. Basketball player. I, I thought you I, I, I thought you would have known that. So big big hooper before before he got into football. Uh, you gotta speak for the average fan, you know. True. Of course, we're recruiting junkies, but sometimes we get like spoiled about what we know because we. True. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Got to dumb it down for like the audience. Yeah, that's usually what I say when I don't know the answer to a question either. It's like I'm just letting for everybody else. Yeah, a, bro, I was camped out on every <laughs> message board in the world when Earl kind of was was getting recruited. Three star guy. I can break it down as a whole recruitment. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was, I was telling the guys before the show, I was telling the guy before uh, before the show started. Uh, this is back when practices used to be open and stuff. His first, like, I don't know, probably month of practice, anytime he would do something, whether it was good or bad, they would just scream, Earl, every single time. Every coaching staff, or every member of the coaching staff. But good kid. Glad, glad it's all working out for him. Yeah, man. Well, I do want to say, I've been hearing the whispers, and there's a little bit of like mumbling. We got to step our recruiting game up. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna be the first to admit before we move on the show. I just want to say that I'll be the first to admit I've been busy, so I haven't been head first into recruiting like I should be, mm-hmm. and like I have been in the past. Um, and also the way this staff recruit don't don't have me excited about following mm-hmm. recruiting either. But I'm back on my game. Um, I got to be on on the grind and on the, on on the beat as far as recruiting and what's going on in these streets. So we're gonna step it up on Stadium Miguel. Okay. Don't yeah. Don't be don't be complaining about damn. Dan, Dan taking vacation. Not you, Dan. Dan Mullen taking vacation. Silk's been on, on recruiting vacation too. Hey man, I got a match. I got a match. They fly. <laughs> You're just matching the energy. Just yeah. matching the energy. I'm matching they fly. But now I got. I'm getting back on my game, man. Um, I had a couple couple people hit us up like, "Yo, love the show, love the interviews, love the content. I would love if you guys pick back up with the crew, man." So I'm hearing that cry. Uh, we back in the streets, heavy man. Uh, use absolutely. our resources a little better. Yeah, we will we'll be uh, doing a facts-only show pretty soon. We've got the June 4th right. big recruiting day uh, coming up. Nick, you're obviously welcome to join uh, that as well. Is um, June 4th open to can we pull up? Um, nobody's I mean, stopping us from, from attending. We um, haven't done it in a while. I didn't get to do a Friday night last year. Me and Junior down to pull up. All right, let me, let me have my people uh, reach out to their people and we get back to you. All right, appreciate that. You got it. Uh, no way hey, to get back on these recruiting streets. Uh, Silk, before you got onto the show, um, we were talking a little bit about it. ESPN ranked Florida uh, number 17 in their post-spring poll. Uh, what do you think? You think that's about right? I like it. A lot of unknowns. Uh, questionable. I mean, you lose it. You, we were losing a lot every year, right? At this mm-hmm. point, that's what happened when you got a good development and a good coach at the helm. So we're losing guys every year. But uh, losing guys at the main spot, and that's quarterback, fresh face with Emory Jones. Even though he's getting a lot of hype, 
uh, from the media pundits. I like the ranking. Um, get them guys something to, to thirst out there and be hungry for. So I'm with it. I think we got all the weapons to do what we got to do. But come in low key and build, like Twitter say, right? Hey, low build. There we go. Hey, so do a uh, do a Brent ad read, and then I uh, got a couple more questions for you, boys. Shout out to the great folks at Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. My man Greg been down with the big three roller network from day one. Um, shout out to the good folks over there, man. If you need life insurance, auto insurance, renter's insurance, or any financial services, please sure to hit my man Greg up at bruntinsurance.com or 954-589-2204. Again, bruntinsurance.com or 954-589-2204. Big policies, big coverage. Greg, what it do? Maybe somebody wanted you to start saying big whips again. Um, I know that that's not this podcast, but it's that's for Bennett Auto. Like that's what it like. Oh yeah, yeah well, big whip insurance. <laughs> man, oh man, what a time to be alive! All right, boys. Um, in terms of uh, some things that I wanted to, to talk a little bit about, we're not that far away from you know, really the start of summer camp and, and then fall camp not long after. I want to get your guys' opinion. How do you think the running backs are going to carry out in terms of uh, number of carries or maybe percentage of carries? I spunk at this last year, so I'm going to give it another try. Um, bro, I can't predict these guys. Running back down the Let me tell you what I want. How sure. about that? Yeah, that let works. Me tell you, let me tell you what I want. I want um I want Nate to get the bulk of the carries. Um to be the, the bell cow guy. But I think we have some guys that could take the uh, the top off of defenses. Uh if Bowman and Linger can catch the ball out of the backfield like Malik and and, and like, like Malik did last year, I think those guys can hit some home runs and also not fumble. So I would like to see the younger guys get more touches. So I like Naquan and second I would want um Hard for me to bench the, the older guys, man, because I just know the staff is not going to do that. Yeah, I'll prefer, I'll prefer to see the younger, more explosive guys that can hit home runs, especially with Emory Jones helping him out to get some some some, some long touchdowns that'll help this offense out big time. Yeah, I wasn't trying to like rain on your parade, but I'm like, you know, who's going to be yeah. behind Emory or next to Emory, you know, in, in the shotgun play? I think one, I heard, like, you I heard know, they're starting though. What do you think? I don't think he'll start. I think it'll be the older guys. I think I think, Damian, I think he'll start. I think Damian Pierce will be the starter. If he's a senior. Well, let's let's classify starter not as the person who gets the first carry of the first game. Right. Uh, yeah, let's classify it as the bulk of the carries consistently. Now I know there's gonna be games where it's a little bit unbalanced, or maybe sure. you know, there's a hot hand, or maybe they're they're pass heavy one game. Uh, but who do you think that person is at the end of the season that gets the most carries? Hmm. Naquan. That's that's why I got, I got Naquan being uh, yeah. the guy that had the most carries at the end of the season. He he's earned it. You not not just on some. Oh, uh, he's a senior, but a guy that that made the most out of his carries every time he touched the ball. Uh, and when we, when he wasn't touching the ball, he was good in pass pro and some other things as well. So I think Naquan's the most rounded running back in the backfield. Uh, the most. Exp- and he's not I'm young not either. Experience. He's not young anymore either, right? This no, no, he's a big dog now. Third yeah, year. This will be his third year. So 
um, you know, I think that that fits nicely into what what Dan Mullen wants. Now, I know Malik, you know, Malik and, and Damian are, are going to be older and you know longer in the program, but I think that he's past that that point where he's no longer just a young guy anymore. So it's okay if he jumps the depth chart, which is a wild take to have. But I mean, I'm looking at the stats now, and I'm guessing that sacks are counted in for. Trash rushing stats? Uh, depending on where you're looking, but yes, most likely. But he had more carries, 10 more carries than Daquan right last year. Um, so that's got 64 has got to be. I mean, there's probably some broken plays there too. But like 106 carries for Pierce last year, um, 66 for Malik. And they literally, after Malik fumbled against Texas A&M, like he got buried for a minute and still had 66. And Aquan, um with 54. Um. I like Damian Pierce. I, I I think I think Naquan Wright is the more rounded back. Um, I think looking, I, I think the difference is going to be last year we was pass happy. Um, yeah. And then I think those guys got more snaps because they're like, they're more well rounded in the in the pass game. I think with Emory Jones leading the way and we being run heavy this this fall, I think you got to lean on on uh, Naquan um, to get more snaps as running the ball. What who averaged more per, per carry? Do you see that? Um, yeah, yeah. So Damian Pierce averaged four seven five per carry. Naquan had uh, just under four, three point nine four yards per carry last year. Got you. Are we interested? Definitely interesting to see. Obviously, a lot of that will depend on the offense and how that runs. Uh, but but certainly, I think we all think. Or Silk and I think Naquan Wright gets the bulk. And I think Nick, did you have a final opinion? Um, I, I want to lean towards Damian. I, I think Nacon Wright, Wright's my favorite running back on the team just because I think he's more well-rounded. I think he can catch passes. Um, I, I would say Naquan's almost like a Damian Pierce and, and Malik Davis put together. Um, and probably the guy I think is best. They don't have to have his vision. Like Naquan's vision yeah. and, and, and balance is just nasty. And, and I see Malik and Naquan miss a lot of holes. Yeah. Not Nick, I'm sorry, Malik and, and, and Damian. They miss a lot of holes, man. Like, we give our offensive line a lot of flag, but those guys also leave a lot of yards on the field. And I don't think Naquan leave a lot of yards on the field. I think he see a lot of cutbacks and he does a lot of things to always fall forward. So, I think – you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were saying you you want uh, – that's how you started. Who do I want to be on top of the depth chart? I would say, yeah, I, I want to right. see more Naquan right. I just think I know this coaching staff and I know the yeah. way that – Things shake out. Um, not saying Naquan's young, like he'll be a redshirt sophomore next year, but I think Damian Pierce is the guy that, you know, he's going to have to play bad for them to give Naquan more touches, more plays per game than him. So that's why I think, I think, they, I think they're going to need more. I think they're going to need more explosion to win games. They're okay. not going to be able to rely on trash. I, I like your tape because I rely, I'm with you as far as the staff <laughs> and the seniority. We, we keep seeing DeLance rolled out there, right? And I don't think he's just better. I think he's just older. So I, I agree with your tape, but I think at some point they're going to have to get somebody mm-hmm. that's more explosive to, to, to run these read options with Emery uh, to get more explosive players because you can't rely on trash arm and the quick passes and his smarts to move you down the field this year. And, and I think I, I'm interested to see – I had a, a little whiff of it during spring and asked asked Malik about it. He wasn't super thrilled about the question, but I was like, hey, can you play slot? Can you kind of – like you, you're not Kadarius Tony. I didn't say that to him, but I was like, you're not Kadarius Tony, but Florida's going to be looking for someone to fill that role, fill that void, and, and can that be you? And does that open up more carries for 
a Naquan or for a Lingard or for um, Bowman, if you can have Malik flexed out more and, and have him playing, you know, kind of a hybrid role. Yeah, that's an interesting. I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, I guess with that, who do you think gets more carries, Malik Davis or Damian Pierce? Damian Pierce, or more touches? Maybe we'll we'll say touches total. Touches would be different because I don't think you're throwing it to you know like you're designing passing plays to form a leak. You're not you know designing a pass play to get the ball in Damian's hands. Yeah, man. I, for for like the top end speed and explosiveness that Dame that that uh, Pierce doesn't have. I'm gonna need him to run harder, or, or not. Like somebody got to do something. Uh, I'm a Damian Pierce fan. Over the years, we kind of talked about like uh, what we expected from him being a bowling ball in this bruiser. I haven't seen that yet, and I, I haven't seen the top end speed. I don't know exactly what Damian Pierce is really good at. You're, you're, so you're saying, hey, we're be, you're being used as our between the tackles runner. And like that hasn't clicked in your head yet. Like you're not running like the it. guy that uh, is being asked, like, "Hey, stay between the tackles and run forward." Yeah, I don't see that. I see, I see, Naquan being that guy. Uh, I would like to see Bowman or some other guys that are more explosive. We know exactly what Linger's good at top end speed. We know what Bowman's good at just a lot of everything. Um, we know what Naquan's good at. I don't know what Damian Pierce. I know what Malik is good at. I don't, I don't know what Damian Pierce is good at. Do you think he's? I don't think he's bad at anything, but I don't know what's right. his strong suit. Like, what's his, what's his go to that we're gonna hand him the ball and be like, uh, Damian? Damian does this well. He runs between the tackles. He's gonna get us a hard three, four yards bruiser. I don't know what he does. Excellent. You, you, you don't he, know, like, hey, we get to this part of the field or this down and distance. Hey, that's this is Damian Pierce time. You you, you don't yeah. have that a defined role or situation where, right, hey, this right. is when you gotta get him the ball, right? Because because one thing Dan Mullen is is oh, oh, finding what guys can do very well and getting them the mm-hmm. ball in those situations. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what what situation you get Damian Pierce in. I wonder if he's just good enough at a lot of different things is what gets him the ball. Right, he may not be excellent mm-hmm. at one thing, but he's good enough at enough things to not take off the field or be replaced. As quickly. And Spence just said pass protection. That could be one thing. I'm pretty sure they value that, but I think him, Malik, and Naquan are all good at pass pro. They yeah. had no choice last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, other side of the ball. Well, maybe not other side of the ball at all. Um, who do you think is your standout uh, freshman? Based on what we know now, um, any freshman that's on campus, we, we've had some spring. We had some some new enrollees uh, just come in. Uh, who do you think is going to be the, the best freshman this uh, this season? Offensive, defense, or are you just going either? To just o- overall, just one player. We we have enough content this season to be able to do offensive. Yeah, we'll go Marshall. Okay. I think I, I don't know that he leaves spring the starter, but I think he's probably the closest one to starting. You know, week one. Um, talking about Marshall. Um, okay, so I'd probably go with him on defense too. Um, I know there's a everyone's talking, everyone wants stars and, and everyone's looking at, you know, Corey Collier. I think he might be a year away, um, mm-hmm. some more development with his body. So I think Jason Marshall is the guy that I think you look at. And then when you look at defense too, it's easier that, you know, at cornerback to start day one than it is at safety or at, or at right, a right. linebacker, you know, it's just like, Hey, you don't need to know everything that's happening on the field. You need to know who's in front of you, 
don't let him catch the ball or, hey, here's my zone. Don't let anyone catch the ball in that zone. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think that that's a good pick. I think the other person that I'm going to uh, say is Donovan McMillan. Um, I think that there's an opportunity that's kind of ripe for somebody to be able to step into the uh, to the safety role. So I'm going to go with him. Um, I think Jason Marshall is a guy that's going to get a ton of playing time. Um, but I do think that Donovan McMillan is going to probably be uh, my pick for that position. Um, I'm gonna throw just just cause he's he's not really a freshman coming on campus. So I'm gonna throw DeWan Black on there. Shout out to my man DeWan Black for making it on campus. Yep. Uh, from Mississippi Gulf Gulf Coast Community College, a guy that's been committed since high school. I uh, had to go ju- the JUCO route, but I think DeWan Black Black finds his way on the field as a starter some type of way and makes an immediate impact in special teams and also on on defense somehow. I like that. I like that pick as well. I like that pick. Any other surprise freshman names that you want to throw out there? Hmm. Surprise. Surprise, I think surprise. Desmond Watson. I, okay. I'll, I'll go on the limb. I'll say Desmond Watson, add him to the list um, is my freshman. I think he'll get some some playing time in some situational uh, circumstances this fall. So I'll go Desmond Watson. I like that. Nick, any other names for you? I, I was going to go maybe uh, a guy named uh, – or not a guy named uh, – might go with Nick Elksness. You know, I think that there's still an opportunity at tight end. You know, I'm not sure if he's the guy that will be, you know, a, a starter this season, but I, I do see him um, contributing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see uh, – he kind of fills a void, but, like, I, you know, I've cautioned, you know, because he looks – I mean, you look on paper and he looks like Kyle Pitts did when he was a freshman. Um, but like Kyle Pitts wasn't Kyle Pitts as a freshman. He was, you know, working out with the wide receivers. So um, I'm high on Nick Elksness, but like, I don't know if that's this year. Yeah. Um, Jordan Young is a DB that had a really good spring um, getting interceptions in, in, in scrimmages. And um, I know they're high on him. So maybe that's another name, you know, as a cornerback, but you've you got a lot of guys there, you know, like, Hey, like, but if Jaden Hill slips up, um, does Jason Marshall take that spot? Does a Jordan Young start finding some room? Um, so it'd be interesting to me. I, I don't know that there's a ton of freshmen that, you know, will get a, a lot of playing time outside of the ones that we've named. Um, there's some red shirt guys, you know, like a Jamarcus Weston. I want to see, okay. um, you know, some younger guys that we haven't seen play a lot. Um, you know, I, I want to see more Derek Wingo, who will be a sophomore. You know, more, like I said, Jamarcus Weston. Uh, and then, of course, my guy, Jeremy Crawshaw. I want to see uh, my, my Aussie punter in his, in his first opportunity. Dude, you're wild. You know, one of the names that I was just looking at the Gators roster, one of the names we've talked a lot about this Florida Gators team this season uh, and what's upcoming. You know, a name that we haven't talked about at all at the wide receiver position, and that's our uh, dude, Trent Rittimore. I don't think we've mentioned his name once as a guy that's going to really be able to step up and, and thrive I think in this he, offense. I, I think he's already proven himself a little bit to me. That's why, like, I think yeah. when we're talking up-and-coming guys, I think Witt kind of proved what he could do as a playmaker when he was healthy and on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, just a dog and a go-getter, man. So, he, I, I just think I got him penciled in as a starter. I don't think he's an up-and-coming guy. I think we all just kind of know what he brings to the table as far as, like, uh, he's going to bring his hat, hard hat, go get some hard passes catch across the middle, do whatever you got to do to make a play. So I think we're just a guy now. I don't think he's one we just speculating on. He, oh, um, no, I don't even, I don't even mean just, just speculating. I just meant in general. We don't really talk about him much. 
He might be a guy that just like almost like a Tony where you just need more opportunity. And because of the guys, how many guys Florida has had at receiver just hasn't had that right. opportunity. And th- this might be the year for him. Cause I mean, you've got Jacob Copeland and then I think you're kind of looking, you know, does Xavier Henderson take the next step? Who does Florida have um, to kind of keep that thing going at receiver that they've had? Jaquavion Frazier is the guy I want to see more of. Um, but like obviously Rick Wells, uh, of course, uh, super senior Rick Wells, um, Justin Shorter's still there. Um, but you know, nothing against, nothing against like a Jordan Pouncey, but like that name doesn't excite me when I'm thinking, you know, like Silk was saying, who can take the top off? Um, who can, um, you know, give you that explosiveness on offense? You know, that's not a name I would think of. I want to see. Um, Jamarcus, Dejon Reynolds is a name, another freshman, maybe. And, and then I think Trey Whitmore will have the opportunity. I think Frazier's is going to be one of them guys. The wide receiver room is the last place that we like just worry about. about at all. Like, shout out to Billy, man. And he's still recruiting some some dogs right now, like as far as the speed-wise. He got a kid out of Orlando that he's out there right now, and it's crazy fast. Another 10, 5, 10, 400 meter guy that he's on, man. So, I'm not worried about the wide receiver ruin at all. I think Witt's gonna gonna do well. I think he'll be penciled in as a starter. Um, this is gonna be all on what our run game can do and what Emory can play action off of if that's just gonna get going. I love it. I love What's it. uh what what do the, what do you think the three starters are? You, obviously Copeland. Um but is Copeland a guy that you can put in the slot as well? I, I think he's gonna want to play outside, right? Uh, right. Yeah. I, I, I understand. yeah, yeah. I mean I, I you'd probably pencil him in as as your your Z with with shorter as the X, uh, probably. And then who you throw in the slot is Whitmore your slot guy? I mean, that's a big slot guy. I don't know. Yeah, do I don't do think you? so. That's a big. That's a big well, body. Well, well Florida, Florida. This is the Florida's roster at wide receiver: six one, six one, six foot, six five, six yeah, four. All of them big. Six three, yeah. six three, six three. <laughs> all the motherfuckers big. Yeah, so I, I don't know who does play that. And that's why your idea of throwing like a Malik or somebody else in there, you know, that that you know can do some of the Kadarius Tony things, right? But you know, Florida doesn't have that that short, shifty wide receiver anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of X's and a lot of Y's, right? What I mean, I X? mean, that's why you probably like do you do you, do you Shorter. It's hard. It's hard to put not put Cope at that slot spot with considering all the big guys we got. But I understand there's a lot of politics with that as well. But yeah. do you maybe put a Malik Davis at that that Tony spot? Somebody that could that could take carries and run the ball a little bit here and there, or you just have somebody come in and do jet sweeps. I don't. I don't know. But yeah. Um. Just on paper, yeah. There's no. There's no Kadarius Tony. There's no Percy role right now. There's no guy for that. But yeah. There's, def- there's definitely politics to it because, like I said, when we were talking to Malik in the spring, and I and I brought it up. He gets like this, like stink face, and I'm like, I'm not like saying you can't be a running back. I'm saying you have, you know, like a Liam Neeson certain <laughs> a certain set of skills that can help the team in other areas, and like um, like a jet sweep. Like, hey, I feel comfortable with him running the ball. Why don't we give him a handoff from the slot? And now we've got a nickel trying to chase him across the field, and you know, I just right. think he his his skill set. You can kind of move him around. He's not Kadarius Tony, but you can kind of move him around in that. Um, same breath as Kadarius Tony. Like, uh, I think we just Kadarius Tony. We won't be Kadarius Tony. But I think he's gonna be the slot. Just a guy that you can lean on and rely to catch catch passes right there at the slot. Yeah. Dependable guy, know the play plays. You know he's not scared to, to go across the middle. 
I think he's just going to be with. Just go ahead, Silk. Say he's a gym rat. His dad was a coach. Oh, no, he's a dog. I have no – First in, last out. I have no Caucasian generic uh, takes on, on wit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> the, the jit came out there and made plays right away, man. I, I haven't had any from go. He's been 360 dunking. Like, Jim Rats and guys with high motor ain't 360 dunking on, on some <laughs> of these internet clips. So, he's a guy that can go do some things, man. He's an athlete. Sneaky athletic. You're right. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lunch pail type of guy, you know? No, he got a, ye- he got a Yeti lunchbox. That's, that's, that's my favorite. A lunch not a pail. pail. We, yeah, not a pail. we haven't had a lunch pail since, like, the 50s. Man, oh, man. <laughs> I love it. Since they got that picture in New York with, like, the guys building, like, the Empire State Building. Oh, yeah. <laughs> getting on, like, that iron 100, 300 yeah, feet in yeah. the air. That was the last lunch pail in existence. <laughs> 300 feet in the air. That's funny, Nick. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah. 100, and 100 didn't seem right. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. All right, boys. Uh, so why don't you take us out with a Manscaped ad read, and then we'll close out the show today. Oh, man. It's my favorite ad read. I'm not even prepared for it. So shout out to great folks at manscaped.com. I got the lawnmower 4.0. I'm shaved and graved, man. I'm looking sophisticated down there. You know what I'm saying? You got to groom. You got to keep the ball deodorant. It's getting hot out here. I just left Harlem's practice. No sweat in the joggers. People looking at me crazy like silk. Yo, Mr. Nose, it's a little wild out here, man. It's like 90 degrees. You got on joggers. You might want to just get the, get the short season going. I say, you know what? I'm not sweating it because you know why? Ball deodorant by Manscaped. Dudes looking at me nuts. Say, bro, you don't think you need ball deodorant because you never had it. You might just be putting the degree or the old spice right on your balls and spicing it up, but you can't do that, man. It's dangerous. It's not pH balance for that. Shout out to the great folks at manscaped.com. They got your pH balance for excellence. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. So um, that's a fin- that's a fantastic ad read. Oh, thanks, man. That's a true story, by the way. About spiking up your uh, pubic hair or about somebody asking you about your ball deodorant? Oh, all of it. But the guy at the park was like, yo, it's a little too hot for joggers. And I was like, yeah, because you don't wear ball deodorant. <laughs> you're like, you're like my guy. Code SG at checkout. One thing about my coach, we got listeners now. So shout out to, they're probably listening right now. My coach is a Gator fan. They didn't know about Stadium and I'll put them on the greatness. So shout out to Coach Kevin. Coach Kevin. Coach Kevin. Kev, you got to work on, like, the four pass. You hear these guys on here. They give me a hard time. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. All right, boys. Um, I don't even know whose song of the week it is. Oh, Nick, you had it last week. So I, last I, week. I think that turns it back over to Silk. It might have been me, but we'll let Silk you take it since uh, – It was country we last week. Up to, Yeah, since we had to crack it up during the, uh, the Manscaped battery. Oh, man. I'm not going to turn it down. That's definitely who we got. I want to do. Bro, how high up were they in the air? Now y'all are making fun of me on Twitter. <laughs> More than three hundred feet? No, that's not. Yeah, that's not that high, oh, Nick. Uh, let me get let me get some Kodak, man. Kodak, Kodak got a new project out there. Everybody's not too excited about it, but I am because I'm a Florida boy. So let me get Kodak. Don't leave me, man. I think that's a a, a ghetto love tune for the for the streets. Same corner, same time, fellas. Same corner, same time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait to hear the intro now. Oh, I can't. Good evening, <laughs> folks.
All right, boys. We'll see you boys next week. Peace out. Psycho Bob, cut through the bill, whiz the whistle. Wham, bam, spin a bin. You get my undivided attention when I be in town. You know you count on me like basketball, I'm gonna be around. I'm on the block, gotta get my chips up, I see you late. And you know once I get my chips up, I feel late. I spend a million in the house so I can feel it cool. But let me before I let you loose. Next all the bad I'm spinning dime. I know they waiting for my riches, name changing mine. If it ain't got nothing to do with my snipers, I'm not involved. You think I gotta deal with Chrysler? I stay out of dodge. I'm starting the orange scripts, so bitches got me nine off. I might cook be a plastic surgeon, high and body out. I'm having vision that you really don't wanna see me win. I'm swerving Germans off the lot, cause I do CPN. Last time I seen my ex, Makai was at the KFC. Say she be keeping up with my life, I be on TMZ. I'm with the killer slinging knives, I'm at the roughest pen. I hate when people do something for me, they try to rub it in. Remember, I was smoking twat joints with the PCP. Back then, when I was catching city bus to the BCC. This for the deepest feeling level that I'm able to express myself. I ain't right without my girl. In my wrong forward, trying to help you before I help myself. I give my life to find your love. Call me Alexander, baby, cause I'm a queen I princess cut your diamonds, baby, cause I'm a king Nobody say they had me like you got me, girl Can't nobody say they had me like you got me My car's all on the table, ain't no tricks up my sleeve I promise to be faithful, my dreams Nobody say they had me like you got me, girl Can't nobody say they had me like you got me I gave you all my love, and there ain't nothing left for me If I can have a wish, is that you never will leave me, baby, don't leave me Don't leave me, babe, don't leave me